Book Two, Chapter Eleven of Garcia Marino by Gustin Berth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. The Defeat of Tolkien, 1862. Towards the middle of 1862, civil war broke out in New Granada between the radicals under General Mosquera and the President Arboleda, who was at the head of the Conservative Party. This last, who was descended from a family of heroes, resembled Garcia Marino in many ways being not only a brave warrior and a brilliant orator, but an ardent Catholic. He had been lately elected president, when Mosquera took up arms against him, seized Bogota, and declared open war against the church. Arboleda, having retired to the province of Kenya, organized a resistance among that fervent Catholic population, in which he was warmly seconded by Garcia Marino, till an unfortunate accident brought about a misunderstanding between these two men, who were so fitted to appreciate each other. On June 19, 1862, a battalion of Arboleda's, while pursuing one of Mosquera's bands, crossed the frontier of Ecuador and attacked the garrison, badly wounding its commander. Garcia Marino wrote an indignant remonstrance to Arboleda, insisting on an apology and the degradation of Colonel Iraza, the head of the expedition. Arboleda pleading extenuating circumstances and refused the required satisfaction. Garcia Marino, who considered this act as a violation of the territory of Ecuador, determined himself to go to the frontier, and personally to exact reparation from Arboleda. It required all his energy to take such a resolve at that moment. A short time before, while directing some workmen who were cutting a road across the forest, he had made a bad wound in his leg. In spite of medical care, the wound became so envenomed that absolute rest was ordered by the doctors. Yet, at that very moment, he was determined to ride to the frontier. Thoroughly experienced himself in surgery, he proposed to have the wound burnt, but the medical men thought the operation too dangerous and would not undertake it. Then Garcia Marino, impatient of delay, seized a blade of iron, heated it to a white heat, and put it on the open wound, with as much calmness as if he had been operating on a bit of wood. Three days after, the wound being completely cicatrized, he made the journey to Carchi, which was a three days ride from Quito, and rejoined his little army. He had no intention of fighting, however, but solely of forcing Arboleda to consent to an interview, which he thought would settle the matter amicably. He sent, therefore, a messenger to arrange the meeting, to which Arboleda seemed anxious to agree, but in the meanwhile, by a ruse unworthy of a brave and loyal man, he crossed the frontier with three thousand five hundred well-armed men, and surprised Garcia Marina with his eight hundred recruits in a disadvantageous position near Tolkien. There was no possibility of drawing back. The little body of troops defended itself heroically against trouble their number, but at last had no alternative but to capitulation or death. Garcia Marina, with five men as brave as himself, dashed into the midst of the enemy's ranks, regardless of the balls which fell on every side one of which would have pierced his chest, but was turned by a silver medal he always wore on his breast. Three men of giant size attacked him at once. Two he laid low with his lance. As the third was about to strike him, he cried out loud, Pierce him! The man, thinking he was being attacked from behind, turned round instinctively, and was in an instant transfixed by Garcia Marino. He seemed, in fact, to defy death, at last, surrounded on all sides by the enemy, who summoned him to surrender, he exclaimed, Lead me to your chief. To him alone will I yield my sword. Ashamed of his easy victory, Arboleda was thoroughly disconcerted in presence of his prisoner, whose magnanimous conduct condemned his own duplicity. He could only help declaring in presence of all his officers 
that such a defeat was honourable to Ecuador, and that its noble head had covered himself with glory. He treated Garcia Moreno with the greatest respect, restored to him both his sword and his liberty, and was only anxious to treat at once the conditions of peace. Sincerely reconciled from the moment they met, these two great Catholic chiefs only deplored the circumstances which had led them into the fratricidal combat, instead of uniting to turn their army against the common enemy. That tyrannical revolution which ravaged New Granada, and never ceased intriguing in Ecuador to try and get back the power it had usurped. Forgetting their mutual griefs, they concluded a treaty of close alliance, and then Garcia Moreno returned to his capital. At Quito, in the meanwhile, there was nothing but trouble and agitation. The news of the defeat and captivity of Garcia Moreno was in everyone's mouth. While his friends mourned and lamented over this disastrous affair, his enemies were rejoiced and thought it would be an excellent opportunity to get rid of this tyrannical reformer who had imposed such retrograde ideas on Ecuador. The organizers of this kind of pronunciamento were, however, grievously mistaken. Just as they were beginning to organize themselves, they heard that the president, so far from being a prisoner, was in his palace as usual, and that he had concluded an admirable treaty with Arboleda, as an addition to the one of 1837, by which the inviolability of the territory of both states was assured, together with a refusal to allow refugees to trouble the peace of either country, while great regret was expressed on both sides for the circumstances which had caused the temporary rupture. Arboleda, in fact, did his best to make amends for his treacherous attack by taking no advantage of his victory, but he could not repair his imprudence, and having yielded his position against Mosquera for the satisfaction of his vanity, beaten by his own rival and betrayed by his own people, he was finally assassinated a few months later, in the denies of Bararecos, on the same spot as the unfortunate Marshal Sucre. As to Garcia Moreno, his enemies did not fail to take advantage of his defeat at Tolkien, without however succeeding in eclipsing his glory in the unequal struggle. The want of success was forgotten in the heroism of the president. There was no dishonor, people exclaimed, in losing a battle under such conditions. And the defeat of the Merplier did not tarnish the fame of either Sparta or Leonidas. End of Volume 2, Chapter 11